Good afternoon, Hong Kong. This is Sonali Figueres coming to you live from Garage Society in Central. Um, I'm from Green Queen and with me is Regina Larco of Hashtag Impact and this is a Zero Waste Journey live on air. We've got a stellar episode for you today and we're going to talk about everything to do with recycling Hong Kong. Everyone listening must be thinking about it. It affects you every day. We need to know more. We need to do better. Let's, let's dive in. To start with, we're going to have Regina Larco talk about the incredible panel we have yeah, today. Yeah, we're so excited to have three amazing men with us today. Last time we had a very female-heavy panel, so we're excited Absolutely. to have an uh, amazing man with us today. Uh, so, first of all, let me introduce Paul Zimmerman. Zimmerman, how I would say yeah. In my native yeah, language. Yeah, exactly. Your German language. Zimmermann. <laughs> uh, he's the Southern District Councillor and CEO of Designing Hong Kong. And I've done a little research and I found an amazing quote, Paul. Uh, you said, trying to make Hong Kong a better place is a constant frustration. You've got a bureaucracy that's stuck in the mud and a political system where debate is restricted to just a few issues. It doesn't go far. You said this in 2015, but I think uh, it might still be relevant today, right? Well, I think so, things, no, yeah, it's, it's true. Things haven't improved. We had hoped that with Carrie Lam coming on that uh, maybe uh, you know the government was going to move on to running the city and uh, city betterment. But we, you know, I mean, we see her stuck in the mud with government. We see the amount of time is being spent on political issues. Uh, uh, as as recently as uh, you know, a few weeks, uh, two weeks ago, ten days ago, Benny Tai makes a comment at a at an unknown event in Taiwan, and the whole government is busy for two weeks about like uh, somebody has said something about independence, and nothing else happened. So, it's the, we were stuck in the mud, and that 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 is that is really what holds Hong Kong back. Um, the um, any government of a city, uh, you know, if you want to be a good government of a city, what you focus on is managing change. And for managing change, the top layer of government got to be there because you, you, you're adjusting minutia in how things operate, but it's the top layer you got to make the decision. And then once you've done that, then the individual departments can do their thing. But you can't leave running the city up to the, the individual departments. And the last thing you can expect from individual departments that they're going to manage change. The top boss got to be there and reorganize the mandate. In Hong Kong, it's just absolutely absent. Top level of government is absent in running the city and it's left to the individual departments, so we're stuck in the mud. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure Edwin Lau disagrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a more positive <laughs> take on it. Yeah. I try to focus more on the, the opportunities. <laughs> issue, which is another yeah. big issue is that Hong Kong as a developed city should put more resources and efforts to uh, deal with this uh, problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. Edwin, let me share with the listeners uh, who you are. I'm sure a lot of people know you already, but for those who don't, mm. uh, Edwin is the founder and executive director of The Green Earth. And you said, I found a great quote as well, uh, the Environment Bureau should put more resources and effort into educating the public to practice clean recycling for all kinds of recyclables, to proactively tackle the serious waste challenge. Edwin, uh, can you give us a little bit of an, uh, just a short insight, what you're doing at the Green Earth? Yeah, the Green Earth is a uh, local charity, a green book, which uh, focuses on three major aspects. Uh, lobby the government in uh, turning out 
good environmental policies. The other thing is we engage with the uh, private sector to advise them how to act green uh, for their business operations. And the third part is to educate the public, the grassroots, the students, how they can do to help reduce our environmental impacts. And this is the free aspect of work that uh, the Greener focuses on. And why I say clean recycling is an important issue is that I pass through many uh, recycling bins uh, when I go to work or go back home after working. I saw many people just dropping dirty contaminated recyclable into the recycling bins and that really ruined the whole recycling system. So the public should be uh, more educated about how to properly recycle our waste so that more of our waste can be prevented from disposing of at landfills but go to the recycling uh, arena to have it properly recycled to turn it back to raw material for making many kinds of products. Mm -hmm. And looking at educating the public, our third panelist today, Philippe Lee, who is the business development manager at Hong Kong Recycles, is also uh, doing a great job. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, and I, I heard you say, <laughs> recycling is an altruistic behavior. You, give, you have to give your time and effort but you won't see an immediate benefit. So it's hard for someone to actually be committed to doing it without knowing what the benefits are. So what are the benefits of going with Hong Kong Recycles? What are you doing over yeah, there? So, so um, we, we have three bottom line. So our first one is to divert recyclables away from Hong Kong's landfill and actually getting it into the right recycling plants. So that, it, so that we can re reuse it and you know, reproduce it. Our second bottom line is that we try to hire as many people uh, from the marginalized community as possible as a collector so that we can give them proper job opportunities so that you know, they can be uh, self-sustainable. And our third bottom line is that we are a for-profit um, so that you know, we want to be self-sustainable in the future so that we can continue to you know, create socio-economic impact. So, so social and environmental impact to Hong Kong. So, you know, um, um, that's basically what we do in yeah. Hong Kong Cycles. Yeah. So, Nali, I'm so thrilled about this panel. I handing mean, handing over to you now. Yeah, I think, Where should we start? I think the first thing I want to say is I, this is my dream panel for this episode. We've got government, we've got non-profit, we've got for-profit. I think when you look at any issue that is affecting a society, um, the community of Hong Kong, those are three important there are three important lenses through which to look through. And so here we have three real luminaries on all, on all fronts. Um, I'm really excited. I mean, I think at this point, if you are a Hong Kong live, resident, you'd have to live under a rock not to realize that our landfills are at capacity, almost full. Um, you'd have to, you probably see every day that recycling is, is not top of mind for most people, um, and including corporates. Um, and... And I think there's a lot of kind of confusion or, or maybe the better word is opacity around what is the situation with recycling in Hong Kong? 
you know? And so that's where I want to start. I want to educate people a little bit, give people a little bit of information, and I want to hear all your views. In our earlier discussion pre-going live, um, obviously Paul was explaining that one thing that is clearly missing in our government here is a waste authority. Mm. And and that's the 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 some a, a sort of a an organized the part of the government that would direct the the regulation and the the behavioral changes well, and the structure. Yeah, you know, waste authority. The reason why we want uh, first of all, you need, government has to get organized for for waste. And uh, right now, we got the food and hygiene department, which cleans cleans the streets and collects the household waste. We got the environmental protection department that separately deals then with collecting the recyclables and handles the landfill, owns the landfills basically and works with the recycling uh, uh, people and uh, uh, runs the eco park and so on. So we have this separation within So government. there's a difference between recyclables and waste collection. Well, so the big problem is that waste basically is a community cost and uh, the government will pay for it and then recyclables are seen as a private enterprise that, uh, that's, uh, the, uh, that has to be done on a commercial basis and the result of that is ultimately is that we have separate trucks going around town for collecting household waste, separate trucks going around town to, to collect glass bottles, separate trucks going around to get glass, uh, plastic bottles, separate trucks to get the other materials. So and, and the cost of that is so high. Logistics in Hong Kong is, an, is, is, a, is a cost. And, it, and the mar- this is a very marginal revenue if you can get anything out of it. So Why really, is the cost high? Gas? Well, the cost high, gas, labor? You know, a congestion. Space? I mean, it, it, yeah, gas and, and labor and the vehicle depreciation. But going around town in Hong Kong, uh, we, don't want, we don't want trucks on the road more than we already got congested. But it's, it's an expensive exercise and it's you total of a very low margin uh, 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 production there in terms of cutting these, these items and making some money out of it is very tough. And I think Philippe can explain, uh, can explain more about the economics. <laughs> and I, yeah, we're so definitely going to get so that. The, the waste authority, the idea there is that you put all of those activities of the various government departments into one and that uh, then also the revenue that comes out of it, whether it's from you know plastic bags later that we're going to have the waste charging through the plastic bags, penalties for people throwing waste on the side of the road, uh, revenues from uh, people paying to get dump materials at the landfill, uh, the revenues from recyclables. So when the recyclables then sold into a production system, but the revenues of that also then goes to government to that waste authority that can spend it on handling the waste. Currently, any revenues that comes into government goes to a general revenue and doesn't is not hypothecated to any specific activity. So setting up a trading fund, a a an, an waste authority, allows you to keep it all concentrated into one, and that would be that would be the best way to move forward. And uh, uh, government, we've mentioned this government many times, but uh, FEHD are basically grown-up collectors. And EPD are kids from the Hong Kong University, so you have got a class difference there in oh, government. Fascinating. Where you got some academics, young academics on one side, and you got on the other side, you got the guys, the hardcore people to clean the streets, and they just don't work together. And and there's nobody kind of like smacking their heads and putting them into one company, said no, no, you are going to work together properly, uh, and that's what needs to happen. But and, and, so okay. Fantastic kind of oversight there. Obviously, we need organizational and financial directives right from the top, as you're saying. But why does why do we not care more? I mean, the landfills are full. 
So there's a problem. I mean, we we keep producing more and more waste. People cannot see the urgency of the landfill scandal. The landfills are not? far away, far not away. next to us. Uh, it's not next to your building. Not I've your been school. to see them, and it's it, it made me throw You're up. One of the few people. Yeah. the not, one not right by Shenzhen. You we'll go to see the landfills. Yeah. They are far away in New Territories yeah. or in yeah. Saikong, mm-hmm. and where we live is so far away, and they cannot smell. Most people cannot smell the dirty smell of the landfills, and they are not affected by the uh, uh, rubbish vehicles going nearby their, their, their flats so that they cannot see the urgency, the problems. They see the, only the efficiency of the government who clear away the rubbish along our streets. So that's, that's a point of pride, so that the that, government clears the rubbish. So efficiently, so that they can see once they dump a piece of rubbish out, then a few hours gone. Out of sight, out nothing, of mind. Nothing need them to worry. So this is Somehow, our government need to educate the whole public that this problem is cannot be only known by tsunami or a few persons need to be known by the whole of the populations that we need to have a concerted efforts to work together, individuals, business sectors, led by the government to have programs, campaigns to drive down our waste growth as well as to increase our recycling rates so that less will be done in the landfills to save and and that's the second part is recycling if you go to an average hong kong resident on the street do they really know what can be recycled what can't be recycled what's the difference between pet plastic and number two plastic (laughs) no right i think only a few of the right, a few eco warriors yeah, we'll, and we'll dedicated citizens. Most people don't realize that. I mean, plastic has seven different types. Exactly. What are they? And a plastic bottle is what type? And a shampoo bottle is which types? And I mean, people in Europe and in certain parts of the U.S. they do know. They do you know, know, in Australia, they they are educated. Yeah. How did they get educated? You know how because there are logos on the bottles. I mean, and, yeah, and there are bins available, and there is you're unenabled yeah. to uh, to separate. And I think that people in Hong Kong have a big attitude, a good attitude, and it's but it, it's where do you enable people to fulfill that and, with a solution? And, yeah, and that's they see that it, that it works. So, so in yeah. Japan. Uh, you know, everybody has a mul- multitude of bins Seven, everywhere, yeah. and there's logos yeah. everywhere, yeah. and everybody yeah. carefully is they're proud of the fact that they exactly and know they how to do it. Wash the uh, paper milk uh, bottle, yeah. which yeah. paper carton mm-hmm. or bottle. After yeah. they finish the milk, they wash it and then cut it out and then dry it and then sell as recycled paper. They are of high quality recycled paper. I know, you know, I went to a music festival many years ago in Fuji Rock in Japan and I was shocked. I was was young, everybody there was young. Frankly, there were people that were drinking, doing things. Everybody recycled at a music festival (laughs) in seven different bins. I was shocked. I thought to myself, it's possible. The culture, this is the culture and they uh, obey the, the rules. They are very obedient. They are very <laughs> obedient. <laughs> this is the culture. So that when the government says, uh, they need to separate the recyclable into, say, uh, 10 types or how many types, they follow exactly and do it 100%. They will not be lazy and not do it. So this is the, 
But here we get to an interesting discussion, a point, which is incentivizing, right? And then I think we we do need to bring in the commercial. Like, what is the responsibility of of companies? Like, why aren't... One thing that would be really easy to do here is to get companies to at least pay for their waste and their recycling. But it's not really a big... That's not um, happening, right? You work with companies at Hong Kong Recyclers. Yeah, we work with a lot of um, international companies, and they have international mandates. Ah, so, international. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, international. international. Uh, in that case, um, in those cases specifically, they would actually, you know, they have a set of budget from the headquarters from Europe, mm. from the US, mm. and then they, 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 they go in Hong Kong, and then they, in 2018, they have to look, of, look for a solution to actually reduce the carbon emission from these specific um, So it is not a Hong Kong government It's not a Hong Kong mandate no, as you say. It's, it's a company corporate social responsibility yeah. mandate. So recently we worked with, we, we, we we did a collection for H&M. Um, we were looking at you know the, the first thing we did was you know education is important and the the people working in the H&M firm the the, the, the office they're very passionate about it but they're not sure what can and can't be recycled. And when they go on the internet or newspaper or do research, there's a lot of conflicting messages. So we go in and we tell them, hey, we work directly with the recyclers, we can do and we can recycle this, 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 this. For example, like the uh, plastic wrappings that you see, that can be recycled. Um, Broken plastic PP or PS um, uh, coat hangers, they have a lot, right? That can be recycled as well. So, So there's opportunities there, but the reason why the opportunities can't can't be seen is because it's quite obscure, obscured by the fact that one physically is quite far away. The, the recycling plants they're quite local. No one, you know, they don't have a good, you know, inten- like Consu- consumer ex- or, or exactly. customer interface. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, it's actually um, very expensive for them to come and collect it. So for the recyclers to actually have a truck to come in and collect it for free, um, in that case, they would actually lose money. So. So they would, bo- they, they would ask you, oh, kindly, can you just ship it to me directly and, and I will do it for you and I will recycle it for you. Mm-hmm. But what, what we're different is that we, we, we go in, we identify, we evaluate, we, we implement, we execute. At the same time, we capture all the data in there. So that, That's very exciting. So that they can actually quantify you know, what is their environmental benefit of recycling these kind of stuff. You know? um, um, at the same time, we also keep them updated with, you know, the, the government is give, giving out more grants and more, more money to, to upgrade the systems, recycling systems. So in the medium to long term future, there will be more capacity to do more uh, plastic collections. Okay. So, so in that case, we, we are responsible to keep them updated. You know, great. Because, okay. Yeah, so. I, I want to take a step back and talk about, so I'm on the waste reduction website of the government. Mm. Okay, it's called, you know, waste Hong Kong waste production mm. website and it's a it's supposed to be a, uh, a resource to tell you what can be recycled and collection points. And under collection points, I I think we need to go through and explain what these mean because I think no one really understands. So there are about 12 different materials, waste paper, metals, plastic, rubber, electrical appliances, rechargeable batteries, fluorescent lamp, clothes, glass, furniture, food, and others. And then there's a few things that are non-recyclable. Um, I'd like to call out that Hong Kong does not have an ability to recycle Tetra Packs because Tetra Packs that requires expensive machinery. So everybody that's listening, that's all about your healthy lifestyle, Tetra Packs are really a no-no, you know? 
Because it, 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 we get more and more products in Tetra Packs, mm -hmm. juice, milk, all of that, and it's not recyclable from my understanding. Am I, is that correct? Correct, yes. Correct, correct. okay. Yeah. But what the government tells you is there's these things called collection points, and you've got all these different kind of things. So one category is collector recycler. Um, then there's another category that's recycling organization and collection point. Then the other collection point is waste separation bin, which is the most basic. We know what that is. We've seen what it looks like. Uh, you know, those three colored, yeah, streets. yeah. And it, it, it bears explaining that there are only three of the 12 mentioned categories that, that can go in a waste separation bin, right? Which is paper, metal, and plastic. Exactly. Okay, everything else, no. <laughs> um, and then you've got community green stations. So mm -hmm. I think it would be quite useful to understand What's the difference between a collector recycler, a community green station, and a recycling organization and collection point? And who runs them? Well, the collector recycler is basically somebody uh, like, like you, us, like yes. who, uh, who will come to a specific address and collects and, and make sure that it gets recycled. So that tends to be a business. Well, it's a business operator. Why should yeah. it be a business operator? Then the the, bin, the bins are the ones you can see on the right. side of the road, and they got three color bins, and uh, you know, quite often it's quite contaminated. What comes out of that? So it's uh, it ends up on the landfill because it's contaminated. Uh, and which are the, the green stations? The government has set up a number of community green stations, so some locations um, where you can bring. Uh, your recyclables, you can actually go over there and drop them off. Mm -hmm. So this basically so community green stations are by the government. It's, it's, got, it's, it's government, funded, government. Funded, yeah. funded by, by government, government, but run by NGOs in Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. they are the operators are local NGOs. Wow, but okay. They are all their, their funding fund, is subsidized by, funding the, government. by okay. the government. So you can bring it there. Yeah, so and then what's a recycling organization slash collection point? I did that's I guess a couple of additional. I I won't know the the examples of that, but maybe a few of the people have have uh, it, have, uh, have yeah. a collection point yeah. where you can drop things off. Basically, or, or, instead of collect, you can drop. So off. this is not not kind of these are ad hoc. The, that seems to be ad hoc. Yeah, there's no, that, how many how many addresses are listed there? Is it in this? Does I'm not looking at the address. Oh, okay. This is, is just the. No, not every district. But you know, for oh, example, no. there was an organization called Green Glass Green, and they would have collection points for glass. I assume okay. that's what they oh, mean. Is that okay. what they mean? Oh, yeah, that, that's good. Well, uh, Unfortunately, they're they're NGOs not. NGOs run. Uh, so random, like for example, H and M um, offers now, or Zara is working with Redress, and they collect clothes okay. for recycling. So to me, that's a no, you know that's non of non formal. But they don't have specific items. Right, yeah. right, right, right. But on the list of the commercial recyclers that are on the government list, yes, uh, our organization, the Green Earth, has done a survey of the list that we survey and we ask them that uh, will you collect and recycle uh, plastic coke of number one and number two, those two types of products. Right. 84% of them were replying saying that no longer collect. That is exactly what I found in my research. And the, the rest say uh, we collect, but you need to pay some money for us to go to your place to collect or you deliver the plastic to my uh, shops, right. then we will take it. So going back to Paul's issue about the, yeah. the collection and the expensive logistics. Yeah. So I live in a building. It's managed by a management company. I have waste refuse on my floor, and, and my building is quite new, so mm. it's not bad, okay? Yeah. What's happening to me? I go in, I separate my three different 
pieces of waste, everything else goes into landfill. It's obviously my responsibility if I want to, you know, recycle computers or clothes, I try to take that not to the refuse, right? Yes. I see some of my neighbors, obviously, they just dump everything, but we one does try. So once I've separated my plastic, my metal, and my <clears throat> paper, what happens to my recyclables? Supposedly. 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 I have a management company. Yeah. They won't tell me anything. I ask management company. Carry we'll, management. They won't tell me anything. We'll, we'll collect all the recyclables, collect okay. them in separately, paper, plastic, and metal separately, right. three types, and then send them to a reliable recycler somewhere in the new territories for them to process it in the recycling process to, uh, to sort it or to further uh, chop it down into small pieces or put it in the machines to turn it into pellets and it can sell abroad as raw material. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, they need to uh, carry this part of the process for the resident that they manage the building where you live. But there's no proof. You keep saying supposedly. Yeah. The thing is, the uh, owners' corporations have the rights to ask the property management, please provide the proof. We pay the monthly management fees to you, to your company. Of course. So you should give us the proof that how you deal with my separated recyclables. If they cannot give you a proof, just only telling you verbally that we have done our job properly to send okay. the recyclables to somewhere, then this is a big question should be on the owner's corporation. Okay, I will, I will do exactly that. I've already asked, but they ignored me, but I will ask that if I have a right. But here's my question, and I think in our pre-talk with Philippe, I, we covered this. I'm not educated about recycling. No one has said to me, okay, Sonali, I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to explain the plastics that can be recycled, the plastics that can't be recycled. This is, you need to wash this. This doesn't matter so much. And when I talked to you, Philippe, earlier, you had said, if there's contamination or there's a bag that has some, you know, non-recyclables, like we were talking about compostables, you know, this is a huge, huge yep. um, uh, sort of, you know, greenwashing in Hong Kong. Everybody's using compostable cups, biodegradable cups, but we don't have a compostable machine. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's actual rubbish, which is really sad because all these F&B people are spending more money on their yeah, packaging. We now have one. Uh, but that is only for food waste. No, that we have the food waste oh, one. This is for plastic yeah. compostable made from oh. cornstarch so or... you're not allowed to put all this stuff into the food waste. Oh, my and and you told me... <laughs> well, the cornstarch items should be able to go in there, but anyway... No, that's, that's what you told me. You said that if there's cornstarch yeah, items mixed with the plastic, then the recycler yeah, yeah, says... No, oh, plastic, then I... plastic, yeah. Yeah. So this is the problem. So what if you're not educated, you can't see the difference between a cornstarch, plastic, and a non, you put it in the same bag, um, right? Yes, so um, it's actually very hard to you know, differentiate between the PLA and the plastic. They PLA the is the cornstarch plastic, exactly, so those yeah. So um, um, go, go, going back to your question, actually a lot of our residential clients have spoke to their property management and they <laughs> have told them that we are working with them. So one of the biggest, I think, difficulties with working with um, a high density, high rise is that the it's very hard for, them, for us to collect um, clean stuff, clean materials. Okay. No matter how much time I spend in, in educating these clients, it's very hard to do a, a, a building collection. So a lot of our resident, resident, residential clients are actually um, 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 a door-to-door -door collection service. In that sense, it's actually You easier. bypass the waste refuge room. Yeah, so in that sense, it's actually easier for us to control the quality. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
this morning, uh, we just opened our, our new route in uh, Deepwater Bay and Cyclone. So I was, I was there with my um, um, collector. We, we actually gave out clear plastic bags, like the yeah. ones. We give them five, five bags and we collect five bags back. So each bag contains plastic bottles, other plastics, paper, metal and glass. Yeah. So we have around 12 clients there. All the clients there were actually producing and giving us very clean stuff. Yeah, nice. And that's because we spent- Clean but mixed? No, clean and separated. Clean and separated. And separated. And that's because we spent two to three weeks prior telling them, you know, this can't be recycled, this can't be, and this can't be. So, do you have like videos? Do you have like brochures? Do you, I mean, do you yeah, have guides? Yeah, yeah, do you yeah. actually go to people's we, houses and say, this is yes, this is no? We, 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 we send them um, soft copies of, you know, instructions and then I call them and talk to them. And if they're not sure, they can send me pictures. I give them that feedback. That's uh -huh. crucial. But I mean, there's, there's 8 million people in Hong Kong. So there's so, what, there's like 5 million exactly. households? Exactly. So it's very hard to differentiate. So it's, how do we impossible. get people to yeah. that level? So Earlier, we we're talking about Japan. So I think one of the so I'm toying with this idea right now is that you know in Japan, you get bins for specific items, and that actually um, makes it very clear for us to understand what can and can't be recycled. So right. if, if you go to a station in Japan, there's a bin for plastic bottles. Yeah, there's a exactly. bin for clear packaging, yes. and there's a bin for compost, uh, uh, compostable or burnable stuff. So. If for a high-rise building, I don't think the West has actually um, found a good solution for high-density recycling because if you look at London and if, if you look at the countryside, normally the countryside's recycling rate is higher than high, you know, than is, is higher than the cities. So I don't think there's a, you know, a, a easy way round for high-density cities right now. But and that's just because logistically there's just so much. Is there's that so what you mean? so many people, you have to educate them and then you have to make sure they put it in the right place, you know, clean the stuff, you know. So it's just, I suppose. You'd need seven bins on every floor. It is, or something like that, yeah. So, so it's possible. Why don't we do shoots? You know, shoots, garbage shoots. Okay. Then the people would throw everything's in. You know, whether it's recyclable or, or dead. Well, the, the, big, the big issue really is land cost. So in a high density city, uh, it's the cost of land, the cost of space. So if I have one bin in my kitchen where I put in everything, that bin is what? One foot by one foot. That's if I have to separate it in two bins, yeah. like one for the wet and one for the dry, your then it's is. a two feet by one feet. Right. So the space goes up. If I want to separate it by all these different items, then for every item there is another square foot. So the, that space availability in the kitchen, the space availability on the floor, the space availability in, in the building or in the district, you start to have to look for that space. So the, on a, on a, on a city-wide basis, the, the, the method that we believe is going to give you the highest recycling rate if you only ask people to split in two. You got dry and wet. Dry are all the recyclable materials. They go in a plastic bag, in the open box, mm -hmm. and you educate people to keep it as clean as possible. And the other one is for all the stuff that is wet and garbage that is totally. And so, in this ball. schema, the, the get, separation happens have, later. Then, it, then it's only two. And then you're going to make sure that whatever is in the transparent, the clean stuff, 
get separated later. And that can be with sorting machines. Now in Europe they have sorting machines completely electronic. Really? Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. They Not have, manually operated. They, they by are machines. completely by, by machines yeah. with all kind of uh, uh, equipment that is attached to the running tracks to separate things, yeah. blowing air with weight, with, yeah. with, laser. with readers, yeah. laser readers and everything. They can pick it out yeah. and it gets sorted out. Now, that is the proposal we made a number of years ago where we said those sorting factories should be built where the landfills are. Because the landfills you can't use for anything else. Yes. Nobody wants to live in a landfill mm -hmm. and you've got contaminated ground. So that's the yeah. best location for those factories. And you power those factories with small incinerators that for anything you can't use that arrives at a landfill, goes in the incinerator, the power is used to run the, the sorting factory. And you got a, you got basically a closed look for an integrated waste management system, and those landfills that are in, and have integrated facilities, they are they have their own catchment area. So you got Chunkwano is for this part of Hong Kong, North District is for that part of Hong Kong, Chumun is for that part of Hong Kong, and you separate it that way. Unfortunately, that's currently still not what we're doing. We're putting a burner, a large incinerator in, in Seku Chow. That one has a sorting factory for I think 300 cube, I mean, yeah, so there is 300 tons. But sort done by it. humans. Yeah, but, but well, 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 it's gonna be whatever they're gonna build it, we haven't seen the final specs in it yet. But this is what you gotta imagine, how is the stuff gonna to go to the islands, sorted there, and then go back to the factories in, in the new territories? <laughs> so the logistics of that doesn't make any sense. So what totally is the economic uh, benefit, is the economic gain for everybody is gonna be, Put everything together. Going to be taken out. Goes to the compressor at the uh, at the transfer station. Goes as a burning block, and it gets burned because then you do not need any of that space. And the space is where the cost is. So it's going to be the incentive on everybody is going to be to compact the stuff in the kitchen as possible. Goes out in one bag. Goes in a compactor at the transfer station, and it just gets burned and died yep. that night. The economic incentive for what we currently have as infrastructure is going to be on burning rather than recycling. And it's, it's poor because we haven't thought out the logistics. And of course, Mr. Green Earth, you know that burning <laughs> has its own problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Health waste, risks, environmental risks. And you're wasting all that resource. Yeah. Pushing <laughs> nitrous oxide into the atmosphere. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And, and you waste resources. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean there, there are studies that show that Mm. Cancer rates go up in, in areas where they're burning. I mean, it's not great. It's not good for wildlife. And this is the island off Land Tower, right? That every, we were, there was so much mm. protest so against, yeah. right? And so that's going to have an, an effect on, on beautiful Land Tower, which is one of our least damaged, um, you know, areas. So it's, it's, yes, it's an imperfect solution. Mm. But it's interesting what you're saying about high density cities and, and the seven bins. I mean, if someone's living in a 300 square foot flat, they can't have seven bins. No way. I mean, let's be, let's be real. And we can't expect that from people. It needs the property developers to, I mean, help the tenants live above to the property manager manage their, their ways. And, and how do we get the property the, managers to feel incentivized? Well, is it government? Should there be government requirements? Should people pay for waste? Well, right. one, one way is I think in the pre-conversation I mentioned that CityU, where we mm. we've analyzed their waste handling, uh, so the they went from one refuse room, uh, and I can't remember the exact size, but for my recall, it's about ten by twenty meters, one refuse room where everything came in and the trucks would collect it. 
to a refuse room that would only be used for the food waste and then all the other materials were put in separate containers. So they had a container for wood, a container for styrofoam, a container for plastic, for, for bottles, mm. like, and for glass bottles. They had all these different... The amount of space they went up to was an entire car park. Mm. But the city uni could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, so they had the space. The second thing that they had was a procurement system where they, uh, every two years, there's a bit for cleaning the university. Yeah. And the contractor for cleaning the university, he makes his money two ways. One, from the fee that he charges the university. Two, from the money that he earns from the recyclables. So right now what you see at the university is locks on the paper bins so that people won't spill the paper because that's money for the cleaning company. Because the paper's valuable. Because, because yes. he wants to get that money, so he's motivated to get it. That's an arrangement that every building could have. But you need the space for because every item has a different, you know, you cannot ship one glass bottle. You have to ship a container or a bucket full of glass bottles. Otherwise, it's not economically viable. So you gotta have for each item a, a possibility for uh, collecting and filling up the container till it hits a threshold, and then for that one to have a truck coming in to pick it up. Or government got to have one truck picks up everything and, and distributes it to different locations. Still, it's not efficient if the government go for every place. Exactly. The one thing they probably... Or take it all to the integrated waste yeah, management facility. The public management companies can help us with to set a small machinery or compactor at, the, uh, at each building uh, downstairs to compact. The, say glass bottle. Compacting is not bottle. burning. You mean just making no. it smaller, like making like smaller. literally taking the air out, taking like you do out, for your winter clothes. Then you okay. can store a few more of those clip of plastic or paper. So less collection. So, so that less and more frequency volume. of collections. So that when you call trucks to come and collect, they can fill up the trucks. Then the efficiency improve. Then the value they can see there. They can. At least make a balance. Okay. That's so that's especially the incentive for them. And are compacting machines expensive? No, uh, no, 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 right? Space wise, yeah, operator wise, you like certainly free, need free. somebody, you need space for it, and you need an operator to know yeah, how to handle right. it. And that's, those are two expenses. A, a cleaner to help. The current management companies will refuse this idea because extra work, because extra work, they got trained staff and a space requirement for that machine, which is dedicated space. It's fixed space. The machine says that cannot move. Well, waste yeah. can move around. I mean, the, the refuse room usually are open space where things can shift. Yeah. Okay, but developers are also trying to modernize and, and well, be more, new more eco. So I'm interested. Yeah. Are there developments in Hong Kong where the developer, not just the property management company, mm -hmm. has, has been proactive about, about the way they've planned their their waste collection well, and recycling. You do business with these I mean, I mean, no, it, like yeah, a developer, like a Sung Kai or a, or a Swai. I mean, are there any developers that are looking to kind of redo their image and, and, and show that they're taking the lead? I mean, in in terms of the, the yes, some of them are, uh, but in terms of the compactor, it's actually quite hard to implement in, in existing buildings. We work with a hotel in Wan Chai. Okay. Very big. They have a very big car park. Mm -hmm. Ah, car parks. But, Always the car parks. But there's no more space for them to put this machine in. Otherwise, you know... The machine is just like a refrigerator. The size. Yeah. Oh, but, to be bigger than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the smaller scale one it is. Oh, right, okay, so, okay. so it's actually very hard to integrate that, that, that machinery into that space, existing space. You know, so, so in that case, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's really the commitment of the uh, developers. I saw in Swipe Property in Corey Bay. Yeah. They install a uh, compactor for food waste, which is food waste is full, full of water content. Mm. So that when you, the compactor is like a big drum, put in food waste, they compact and get rid of the, the water. water. The drain so that drain the all the water out, so that food waste will reduce, reduce the volumes. So that when so that's good. It's good. Yeah. So that when they chop away the food waste, the, the, the same volume, same, of course. Say the frequency of the trucks because of the, the, the compactor machine. Save a lot of money. Get away the water. Simple. This is, yeah. I mean. But, but ex I expect Swire to be, uh, if you, to your question, is anybody doing I would expect Swire to be at the front end of, yeah. uh, of doing things better. Uh, but I think the issue is really is about existing residential buildings. They either have a management and they have proper facilities, mm -hmm. or they put the stuff on the side of the road. Well, I mean, we're not. Yeah, we're not even talking about the non-managed buildings. Okay, like, so uh, we talk about the buildings. managed buildings. The owners got to take charge. The owners got to put in a plan yeah. and demand their their management team to put in the solutions okay. where stuff basically is separated in the dirty stuff that goes out and then later on we'll have to pay the landfill charges for it and the clean stuff is is then recycle the recycling income from the, by keeping it separate and then run and see the accounts of how much is being paid for dumping the dirt yeah. and how much is re received as earnings from the recyclable materials and they want to see those numbers and by demanding that, you can start driving change in your own building. So you mentioned the the landfill charge. So uh, you know, a few a, a year ago in the SCMP, there was a big talk about the environmental minister said, okay, we're going to put in a waste disposable charge. It's mm. going to be like fifty one dollars per family or something. This is going to come in. We need to reduce household waste by twenty twenty two by forty percent. Yeah. Uh, but recently, I've 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 heard rumblings that this has been put off. Yeah, but specifically for this issue because, uh, uh, and this is very relevant to, to the comment about how to get responsibility in your building organized, the, the, the cleaning company and recycling company, they have to pay the waste charges at the dump. But you, as even an today, no, 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 well, no. when the law when, is enacted, when oh, the law is enacted, oh, yeah, yeah. they have some yeah. dumping charges now, but yeah. the dumping charges will go up. So, but then in the future, the individuals will have to buy the green bags or the black bags and pay for that, and that money will go to the government. Hmm. It doesn't go to the collector. No. And so the collector said, "But I'm still going to charge. So how do I? So how am I going to go to the residents? So you no have charged them separately. Again. Yeah. So again, so the mechanism is wrong." The building, the, there's got to be such that the building, uh, the staff, you as a resident of your building, you're going to look at your monthly expense to the management company and you're going to see a clear account how much you're paying for waste that is being disposed, how much is being earned from the recyclables that have been collected separately. And you want to see that clearly. And you want to see that incentive to be with the cleaning company of the building. Then things can be organized. But if it's like the money gets, if you say, oh yeah, but I'm already paying for my black bag. You know, that you know I mean, we're, we re Hong Kong regularly gets named as the most capitalist city in the world. And we can't even incentivize the, the waste collectors in a normal way. I mean, a market way. I mean, of course they should get paid. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's not the market way. I mean, if, if you leave it up to market, it won't happen anything yeah. because it's all too expensive to run trucks and store things and, and separate things, the space required. I mean, it won't happen now, Paul, but in 20 but years, it. where are we going to be? 
Well, there you, you cannot use the market. The government will have to set up the rules and regulations yeah. and make sure it happens yeah. and, and, and minimize the cost by not demanding all these individuals. Actually, you want Philippe to be out of business. That's <laughs> actually very true. Yeah. Yeah, you want yeah, him to be out of business. You do, should not have well, to if, have... If the city no, was no, no. taking care of its waste and recycling, yeah. you shouldn't really exist. I mean, if you sure. don't mind me saying, right? Sure. Well, it, it depends on the model they, they take, right? Some, some countries, you know, some government runs their own collection some governments appoint one or two companies like Canada the they have the full box system yeah. on the crap side so every household has to do their recyclable every day and put in the full box then the government trucks or government appoint the contractor yeah. trucks will come so you could be a contractor for example you could be, yeah, you could be appointed yeah, yeah, yeah. sure 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 yeah. right now yeah. there's like few tens of hundreds of you know these different contractors around Hong Kong like you like us so oh you're, so it's we, not super unique we, we we are unique in terms of we don't have the cleaning service so a lot of the people who does the recycling also do the cleaning backyard for example yeah. Yeah, Clean, cleaning for example. of cleaning of, of, of buildings so, Building, yeah. so the, oh. or streets so, so like for your building there's a cleaning company who manages the cleaning and the clean waste clean the floor clean the yeah. staircase and then normally they would just ask okay. them to do the Recycling as well because you know it's easy you know just ask them one mm. one one stop shop so yeah why things is not working in Hong Kong but working in other parts of the world is because we lack of two important uh, legislation one is the waste charging legislation the other is the producer responsibility legislation so with if the two pieces of legislation were in place then people will see the incentive. If I buy a big bag from government to uh -huh. put our garbage in, then they will need to pay a higher garbage charge. If we separate the things for recycling, give it to recycler or give it to the community green stations, then they can buy smaller bags from the government. Then their monthly garbage charge will be reduced. So you have control over your consumption and your waste, is, is what you're saying, yeah, if the, we had this regulation. If we have the like, re regulations, mm -hmm. then people behavior will change because mm -hmm. we don't want to pay for big garbage bag every day. So we want to pay small amount, smaller bags. And but but you but to your separate. point, the regulation that they're trying to implement, they're not going to cover the collectors more so no, and, and I have to be you know this waste charging we have to be careful so we have waste uh, producer res and, and the producer responsibility we now have producer responsibility for the glass bottle but what happens is that the distributor of the the wine for example wine. he has to pay the dollar per bottle or whatever yes, it is yeah. and, and that money goes to tax revenue and that's it when I then have my glass wine bottle and I go to to Philippe and say, hey, it's the glass bottle, can I have a dollar back? No, of course not. He oh, says that's, no. That's a very valid point. Because yeah, it's right, not a deposit right, scheme. Yeah, it's not a deposit scheme. So it's yeah. not a deposit no. scheme yeah. like no, in no, other no, countries. No, 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 so no. The, problem is, the problem is that the incentive is on the guy who sells the wine, that's the idea, that he is going to do a deposit scheme himself so that yeah. he can go back to government and get an exemption from paying a dollar. Uh, but come yeah. on. The bottle of the yeah, wine is at fifty dollars, a hundred dollar. Is he going to set up a very expensive recycling scheme? He's not going to do, no. do it. So he's going to pay the dollar, and that's it. And it just ends up in general revenue. I mean, this doesn't change any behavior in the city. Yeah. yeah. And when we go and collect it, people ask money for ask. Yeah, can I have a bottle of it? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, like, you can't. Like, you have to pay me. You know? <laughs> exactly. And that's all, that, that actually stops them from actually like recycling. You know, this incentivizes them to do it yeah. because we can't give them money back. That's right. So yeah. so he charges you for collecting your glass bottle. 
the wine merchant has already paid government for the fact that he's using glass bottles. Yeah, so, so <laughs> where is the change in behavior? So the, the, the system is ultimately it's, wrong. It's, it's disconnect. It's somehow disconnect. disconnect. Yeah. So yeah. It, does, it does. So yeah. So I mean, I, I know Edwin. You 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 make this point that we need these two sets of laws. But um, and I agree with you. But we've got to get the right laws. And right now, the implementation is is ultimately wrong. By the way, you know what the glass is being used for. Is being used for landfill, uh, yes, uh. For, yes. but not for <laughs> not for garbage landfill. <laughs> it's, it's for uh, well, otherwise you would use yeah, like, yeah, I know what you mean to put in. Yeah. Okay. So getting uh, what this uh, the sand river sand from mainland mm. China, they use the uh, uh, glass particles to. Yeah. to so that so they're technically they're being recycled, but not really. Yeah, yeah, but, but the, the problem with this one really is is that what you set as your economic value of the recyclable glass is the price of sand. Yeah. How about you taking all of that glass, push it to a good volume, and then have a factory build that does something that is of higher value? Yeah. Building glass bottles yeah. or, or, or bricks so that the economic uh, value of the yeah. glass goes up. Yes. For that, you of course you need to, th to hit a certain threshold. Mm -hmm. Then there is a much higher value that comes back that can go back to the community for the glass. Mm -hmm. But right now, if you just chip and you use yeah. it as landfill, you basically the, set yourself as. The government is doing the down cycling, not upcycling. <laughs> not even label, recycling, recycling. It's down cycling. It's slightly better than dumping it in the landfill. Slightly better than dumping it in the landfill. Let's talk in, about in the economics. Yeah. I think this is a really good time to, because I think, you know, the public, sometimes eco people in the public, they think, oh God, Hong Kong is so shit for recycling. But, you know, that's what I love about this discussion today. It's such a complicated situation. But let's talk about is recycling profitable in Hong Kong at the moment? Because from what I understand, the answer is we, we not were, really. <laughs> we were non-profitable for, for a few years, yes. But recently we became self-sustainable. Oh, so, so this is profitable. That's fantastic. Yeah. But, that's fantastic, but, but yes. the actual recycling plants, Yes. Um, and, and I want to be clear to, to the audience, yeah. from my understanding in Hong Kong, we don't actually have an end-to-end -end recycling plant. We produce the plastic pellets and then the pellets go Sell off to out other to, to other countries and yes. then that becomes a, a finished good. Yes. There is no end-to-end -end So there's here. no end-to-end, no. Right. right now, but a lot of the plastic recyclers keep saying, you know, when I've when I've read about them and, and spoken to a couple off the record, it's not profitable. No, it's not big business. But, the, I, I but I feel in the, other the countries, are recycler, small. the margins are very small. The margins are and what? Why? Well, the okay. So you have to buy the land first. Land is very expensive in Hong Kong, and right. it's very hard to get the industrial plots. Um, and then you have to buy the machines. Yeah. So the machines cost a few million setup costs, running costs, three to four people or six, depending how big you are. And then the price of the finished product, which is the plastic pellets, that fluctuates with the market. So if the oil prices ah. are low, demands for products are low, then you know that's going to be lower than what you expect to get. So that fluctuates, and then there's no there's no subsidies from the government or from uh, anything. So so yeah. In other countries, are there subsidies? For in recycling companies, yes, companies? There are regulations. Yeah, there's so regulations. The government are paying for the low value recyclable yeah. to get recycled. And it's exactly that yeah. point which why they can't have their own truck and their own uh, logistic mm -hmm. team. 
it costs too much to run a logistic team mm -hmm. to actually implement a logistic team. So, so that's why we have this sort of discontinuation between different players. And that's why so you're charging the, the the people, the consumers, and the businesses. The good-hearted yes. people who are willing very to pay for people, it. Yes, if we're very good. His company is not charging people for it. pay the recycling service of. I would say collection service, collection service not yeah. recycling service. Yeah, service. yeah. He's a, you're, you're so, basically a, yeah, a paid collection service. Don't pay for his company for that service, then he cannot make any business. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So we're relying on, on people who are you know committed to the environment, committed to reducing yeah. their waste, and companies that want to improve their CSR and, and, and commit to but environmental because, goals. Yeah, to make it sustainable, we cannot purely rely on good the company oh, or well of course that's like capitalism needs, doesn't work like that. It needs yes. the government set the law to require every business, every household need to do that. And what that then, means for us is that when we when I go in and talk to them it's actually a very easy sell. So mm -hmm. right now it's very hard, very difficult. I have to give them, you know, this report, you know, this education, these long talks, telling them why you should do it. And then they, ha they and then the, the person that I might be talking to, they might be you know very, very willing to, to help me, mm. but the company doesn't have the motivation to do it, so there falls off. So there's no progress. But you have now a good set of business already. We yeah. have, yeah. yeah. So but you say, say the international companies. Yes, and yeah. And, and, local and which districts, which residential districts are, are there are people that actually are good clients of yours? So I would say, you know, uh, uh, cycling is very good. Cycling is uh, good, uh, right? Popfulham is quite good. Um, the Your people from from. from <laughs> no, but if it's, it's yeah, no, but if yeah. the people yeah. listen uh, carefully, then they know that there is a certain demographics. There is a certain demographic right now. Yes. You and mean uh, higher income? Higher the, income. The and then higher education. Yeah, I, I would say roughly, yeah. And maybe also more internationally focused. Mm -hmm. Right now, yes. Yeah. But so uh, that is what you're finding is? That, that is our, your customer. Our clientele, yes. Mm -hmm. But I've seen people, you know, like like people, like my family, you know, my grandmother, they, mm -hmm. they care about recycling. But once they heard that, you know, in their building, people just throw away, and the next day they, they, they stop separating. Exactly, yeah. So there, there is a lot of kind-hearted, you know, local people who cares about exactly. these environment. But they problems. feel like they have no solution. But they feel like there's no solution, yeah. and and there's wasting, they're, they're wasting their time. Okay. They were, exactly, what? they're wasting, wasting their time. time. I, I called you. I said, "Am I wasting my time?" Because someone said to me, "You know, you're putting yes. everything but in one bag." With Philippe, you're not wasting your time because you know it goes to the right place. When people are using the normal system. No, no, no. I'm using the normal use, system, and like, I said, "Am I wasting my time every day?" And I'm doing it. May not work. May or may not. May or may not. Work. May or may not. No, work. and, and, and I have unless, to push the building to, to tell me more. Unless the property yeah. management company can tell you clearly and show you this is a place, this is a destination that they bring your recyclable to that. Yeah. Unless they can tell you this so clearly, otherwise, that you better spend a little bit of effort, walk a mile to bring your clean recyclable to a nearby community green station. I prefer that you do something else. <laughs> Get on your motorbike or your car, and or, or <laughs> and, drop it and follow, follow follow the truck and see what happens. Ah, yeah. Investigate. Ah, yeah. Go to the refuse room of your building. Spend a bit of time to learn yeah. the flow through the building. Follow your. Oh, follow when I, when I went to the refuse the room, they tried the cleaning staff tried to get me out of there. <laughs> yeah, no, Next I mean, time yes. I came back with chocolates and, and cakes, <laughs> and I <laughs> sat there longer. Welcome. You're welcome. You know, but they did not want. They did not like. I I think I was the only resident who just goes in there, and they did not want me there. <laughs> but then you, you hire a spy. 
I aspire. Yeah, that's right. So, and of course, I look foreign. I, I don't speak fluent Cantonese. Yeah. It's no good. I need to get somebody that's, you know, can... But ask can, your helpers. Yeah. Ask, okay. you know, but and, and assume that your yeah. helpers will try to make money themselves of your waste. Yeah. And you should maybe incentivize them for it. Uh, you help them to let them to earn money from uh, because they will keep the paper separate they've got to find a way to make some money yeah. on oh you've, yeah. see, you've seen that my uh, helpers in yeah. my village do it yeah. Yeah. Wow. back of many, my house many, is a collection centre will, will, will <laughs> yeah. help you yeah. own my yeah. property <laughs> Yeah, they just bring downstairs to a nearby recycling they, shop they do, and yeah. sell sell the paper yeah. sell yeah. the cans and they get a few so we're so, almost yeah. at the end. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make sure we cover just two things really quickly. One, I, Edwin, can you, or, or possibly Paul, can you give a figure on how much of our waste is actually recycled in Hong Kong? Oh, now I'll, let's uh, let's depress people. According, <laughs> according to the government, uh, twenty sixteen figures that the overall recycling rate is thirty four percent, and on plastic alone, mixed plastic, it is fourteen percent. Yeah. And on PT bottle alone, this is only 5.8%. So low, low, low. Now, do you trust those figures? If assuming the figures <laughs> is right, <laughs> assuming those figures are correct, then it is. Okay, low, I have to take a picture of yeah, Wait, so, so tell me, compared to other world class cities, this is low. This is very low. Yeah, very low. Germany. The recycling rate is uh, overall over 60% to nearly 70%. So because they have the uh, legislation, they have the right. deposit have and return system, so that people are incentivized they got, they got the infrastructure. To yeah, infrastructure. Okay. The and the machineries. Okay, yeah. so everyone who's listening, we're really not doing a, a good job. But I also want to talk quickly about the China regulation change because even Pete, uh, who did we have from the U.S.? So, so the, at, there was a World Trade Organization uh, meeting recently, and uh, the U.S. said that China's import restrictions on recycled commodities have caused a fundamental disruption in global supply, and basically had a fit and basically said. You can't do this, China. So for everyone that, that, that doesn't know, China, at the end of 2017, changed their, the, the recycling um, types of goods they were going to accept. And they've reduced it to very few items of paper and plastic. And basically, there's a huge scandal in the world because everyone didn't realize, including in Europe, by the way, that you know we're, we're, we're not actually recycling everything in, in Europe and in the States. We're actually sending everything to China. And people say, oh, well, Indonesia and Malaysia and Thailand will take over. No, they do not have the capacity to take over at the same rates as China. So how it, the last point today is, is, you know, Vicky Kwok, the, uh, the uh, environmental protection deputy director, says, you know, this is a, a challenge and a crisis. So how has this affected us? It's truly affecting not just Hong Kong, but many uh, countries in the world. That uh, in the past, our mentality is, we just pack our waste and send it to other developing countries. Ch mainland China is the uh, core place that we send to, uh, even the US, the uh, Australia. But now we have to deal with our own waste. Take care of your own waste. This is a, an act that a responsible country or city should do. Not sending your waste to other people's backyard. This mentality... And China saying no. What do you, what do you sure. think of China saying no? Well, I think it's fantastic. Uh, and uh, and <laughs> yeah. I appreciate and, and, and uh, welcome. 
And to me, the problem is that Hong Kong has not said no. Hong Kong continues to have open border to waste, and, uh, and it ends up in the new territories. And the only reason why it has dropped off for Hong Kong is because it cannot be shipped onwards to, to, to China, mm. but now it gets shipped onwards to the Philippines. So um, I, think, I, mean, I think we've got to be grateful that, that China has done this, and Hong Kong should follow immediately. In fact, there is the Basel Convention. Every country in the world should take care of its own waste. Mm-hmm. There is a convention that we have all signed and agreed to, or most countries have signed and agreed to, and that should be adhered to, and that's, that, that is where we have to move towards to. And I think we're going to see the next crisis being in the Philippines. Um, it, I think very soon we'll see some very poor countries around Asia uh, for all these guys that are shipping that yeah. because they can't they get rid of it, they still have the ongoing business, they're pushing it to all these the countries, it's going to be piling up there and it's going to come back and we're going to see some really bad pictures in a year or two. And so. we're going to have more places like Boracay saying, and they were just doing well, that for their own ways, saying we don't want any more let, tourists. Let's yeah. hope we have more autocratic decisions for the guys <laughs> Well, believe any last words. I love that. (laughs) More autocracy, guys. We've got to tell you what to do to to do better. When it comes to waste, we can't be trusted. (laughs) What a fantastic discussion. So the last point is that I think, you know, plastics is being processed in Hong Kong right now. So because of the new regulation, which incentivized recyclers to build new machineries to actually process these plastic bottles into pellets. So this is good. So this is good because we can still recycle these sort of stuff. But, you know, there will be a time, time lag in terms of how much we can handle. So there you go. Yeah. Famous last words. I thank you so much. You guys have been a fantastic panel. Everyone needs to listen to this this show. I also want a big shout out to James, Hey You, and the Garage team for letting us use this beautiful space. And um, I hope you join us. We're going to have episode three in a few weeks that's going to be filmed live. And it's all going to be about journeying to zero waste as a consumer. And that's going to be at the Conscious Festival at PMQ on April 22nd, which is Earth Day. So please, save the Earth. Come and listen to us. See you on Earth Day. Bye. 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 Signing off.